Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. As a country, the United States has one of, if not the deepest talent pools to draw from when it comes to athletics. This is evident in the country's performance at most Olympic Games. One of the sports gets lost in the mix though, and considering that impressive talent pool we have to draw from, I was always surprised that we didn't put up more of a fight. That sport is weightlifting. For years it has been thought of as an afterthought, if that. But around a decade ago, the wind started to change and there was finally a plan to put in place to bring the U.S. to the pinnacle of the sport at the world level. My guest today is one of the men leading the charge. Travis Mash is the owner and founder of Mash Elite Performance and one of USAW's senior international coaches. Travis is a world champion in powerlifting. He competed in a world-class level in Olympic weightlifting. He has coached professional weightlifters alongside Don McCauley and Glenn Penlay at Team MD USA and now coaches the most successful weightlifting team in America, MASH Mafia. We get into loads of weightlifting talk, where Team USA is now and their prospects for 2024, what caused the change in perception of the sport, what we do differently now as a country. We also dive deep into youth development and training, which is where Travis's arguably true passion lies. This was a fantastic conversation and one filled with notes that I took during our talk. So whip out the notebooks for this one, folks. Back to the Nomad Strength Show, everybody. I'm Ross Hillier, and today I'm joined by Coach Travis Mash, Mash Elite Performance, and hosts the Barbell Life, and he's USA weightlifting, way up high ranked <laughs> coach. And uh, I've been following Travis for years now. Actually, I, I told you when I had uh, when we were trying to set this up a few weeks back, I was on the original squat everyday program that you did back in right. like 15 or 16 or something like that right around there and that was right in my very first foray into weightlifting was me doing that program so it was <laughs> it was a killer and it was awesome uh but i'm pumped to be able to talk to you man i'm i'm glad we were able to make the time thanks for joining thank you you know sometimes i get frustrated because like um i wrote that so long ago and it was so basic yeah and, and like the programs are right now are so like scientific based <laughs> right but probably that one works better, so, you know, like, it's crazy. But I put all the effort into all the stuff with the technology and the science now, and it's like, oh, just move a lot of weight and do it a lot of times, and that right. tends to work, too. Right, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was knows? pretty fun. I still have it. I was actually, uh, when after we had, when we were messaging back and forth, I went back, I still have the, the Excel spreadsheet and everything on it, and uh, was going through, I'm like, man, this was fun. I should roll through this again one of these, one of these weeks. You know, man, like, uh, I often think about trying to, you know, I did it too, because I mean, I did the whole program before I, you know, yep. that was my very first ebook. And like, yeah. before I did it, I, I you know, I, I went through the whole thing myself and it worked awesome. But I, I wonder now, this is almost a decade later, you know, would it work again 
I don't know. Like I'm yeah. getting old. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> right. so, yeah. So do you we'll think? See. Do you th- so? That's actually a good a good place to start. Do you think some of that stuff with the the ultra high volume, uh, and that frequency, with what that was in that program, uh, is that more of a? You're, you'll see the benefit just because of the youth aspect of it, and over time that's just going to wear you down. Or is that something that can be modified and stuck to as you age through it? That's a good question. You know, I think um, the thing I've learned the most in the last few years is that it's all individual. So to say anything as a blanket statement, it would be uh, irresponsible of me as an exercise scientist. But, like, mm-hmm. I would say that, yes, if um, here's the one thing, here's the one principle that you can definitely live by, and that's that specificity, the principle of specificity. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you want to get better at squatting, squat a lot, you know. And so, like, yeah. and you will definitely get better at squatting. Um, but like, how long can that be? You know, how long can you withstand that? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, man. People like Corey Gregory has been doing it. You know, he's still doing it. I mean, a decade it. later, and yeah. like, uh, he's the one who inspired me. Like in 2015 is when I wrote that, and the dude is still doing it. So like, uh, so yeah, I guess you <laughs> obviously <laughs> he would say that you could, but right. like, uh, it just depends on depends on what is your goal. You know, like what is your ultimate goal, and like in weightlifting. You know, we don't get we don't get judged on the squat. We get judged on snatch and clean and jerk. Right. So eventually, you gotta focus on your craft. Right. So. And that I mean, and I remember one of the things uh, that I had learned because I didn't really realize it until I started doing a weightlifting program like what you had done was how frequently even you have to do those movements just from the technical aspect of you have to get. I mean, because the smallest right. thing can make a huge difference, and it's one of those things where you you don't get better at it and unless you do it all the time. So you can't snatch right. a clean and jerk one or twice a, once or twice a week and expect to be like high level at it. Or even really like tech, I mean, I don't know, you could say technically proficient to do it once or twice a week. If all you're doing is like just trying to be fit. Right. Right. But if you're trying to lift a lot of weight or you're maybe even looking at competing, like it has to be more than that to make those, yeah. those small differences. I think it does. You know, I think there comes a time where like, once a person has, I, you know, it's, it's funny. There's like a spectrum. There's like at the beginning, you know, absolute strength should be the focus and you're working on your technique. Then then it becomes snatch and clean jerk, becomes a focus. Then you perfect that. And then I think you could flip back and then you could focus on, you know, getting strong. And um, so like, like you know, Brian Grimsland, my top athlete, uh, he's kind of now flipped and like now we're just focusing on, controlling fatigue and getting stronger and just like giving him the optimal dosage. So just, um, there's that spectrum, get strong, get better at snatch clean jerk, get strong. And so, right. And when I was wondering too, like how much of that at some point is, or I guess, is there a point where you just aren't going to get stronger? So like you have to dial in, the technique or the recovery yeah. or the extra parts of it. Like, is there that point or is it just because of that up and down? Like there are ways to get stronger. Right. Well, I think a guy, you take like a guy like Nathan Damron, who now mm-hmm. like he has built so much absolute strength that could he get stronger? Sure. But like it would take away from his need to focus on snatching clean jerks. So right. since he's, you know, since he's gone to Cal strength, I think they focus much more on, you know, dialing in, snatch and clean and jerk. And so I think he could, but I think it, it would be at a cost because, you know, the guy can already squat 700 pounds. So, like, yeah. at what, how much stronger does he need to get? Like, yeah. zero, really. Right. So and that's the question. Like, how much more do you really need to he get? He don't. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. You know, uh, and really, Ryan, at this point, I'm thinking, after last night, you know, he front squatted 230, you know, 506 um, pounds. That, and, you know, he's a 73-kilogram lifter, like, I don't think he needs to get any stronger to do the things that we want him to do. So um, mm-hmm. now it becomes here's the, the thing I've learned the most in the last like few months is like now it becomes the rate of which one can produce that force. So like mm-hmm. you know it can produce a ton of force, but at what rate? And so now we're measuring that rate. And so now I'm looking gotcha. at increasing that. So that will become the variable that we look at now is like how fast can he produce that force? And how much does, I mean, what does that translate to when you're actually measuring like that progress from, from that velocity that he's generating? 
Well, that will, you know, like if we get better at producing it quicker, that will definitely translate into snatch and clean and jerk because you're asking a guy to produce maximum force as quickly as possible. So like, and normally, um, like for maximum force to occur, you need, you know, you need to be able to push as fast as you can and you need, but it needs to also get to the point where it's slow enough to where the, you know, the actinomycin cross bridges can take place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, to do that, and you got to recruit high threshold motor units. Mm -hmm. So, you, to get people to be able to do that quicker, you know, you really got to focus on specific stimulus. You know, like, um, like for example, you know, people will say, "Why do you use bands?" Well, bands have been shown to increase rate coding. Rate coding is the signal from the brain to the muscles. You know, it's, it's the it's the motor. It is when you talk about recruiting uh, the motor units. It's that signal from the brain to all those muscle fibers that that alpha, you know, motor neuron innervates. And, like, how quickly can I get it? And how many of those um, motor units can I recruit at once? And so, gotcha. see, see, it gets so specific. Yeah. When you're at this level, when you're trying to, you know, we're trying to win the Olympics. Yeah. It gets super specific. And so, like, most people listening, you know, probably will never have to worry about that. But, like, right. when you're trying to dial in the best, you try, you know, you we're no longer, there's a couple of us. I think there's like three or four coaches in America who are like no longer talking about making the Olympics, but we want to win. And so now we, we talk a lot on how to do that. And specificity for the individual is the key. Well, let's talk, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, I want to get into that a little bit too, just from a, like a world stage right. conversation. I mean, this is obviously the way that you're talking about it and saying that the, you and other coaches are talking about it has never really happened in like American weightlifting, before. right? Like it's always just kind of been, oh, maybe we get one guy that can yeah. maybe get close, but it's yeah. never something that we put a lot of effort into. So right. I remember, uh, I mean, it's probably been well, probably right, right around the time that I started following you, like eight or nine years ago or so, was when it really seemed like things were starting to kind of pick up steam. Yeah. Planning for like, okay, maybe not in the next two or three, but in the next like seven to eight to nine years and now we're kind of like right at that we're stage. here right so how does it look like it's going with everything between what you guys have and like the few other coaches that have those athletes that are, that are potential i'm glad you asked this so like you know um you're exactly right about eight or nine years ago 2014 15 you know i was talking about we need to get to the point where we can you know, try to win. And like, mm -hmm. and I was talking about, if you can't say it, there's no chance you're going to do it. And just maybe less than a year ago, Spencer Arnold he called me and he said, uh, you remember when you said that we got to be able to say it? He said, he said, uh, and he and I are like best of friends. And so like, mm -hmm. we are always messing with each other. And he said, I'm calling you to admit you're right. And so we're just now saying that, you know, he wants to win, you know, he's got Kate nine and several others mm -hmm. that, um, that could potentially, you know, she's silver medal last time. Yeah. So, um, now they're talking about winning and what does it take? And so the difference in then and now is like back then, you know, we talked about technique and we talked about, uh, basically there was like, you know, two camps. There's like get super strong. There was technique. And then there's people in the middle now we're talking like science. And so now you got people like Spencer, Kevin Simons, Will Fleming, you know, we're, we're talking about the intricacies that it takes to get there. The individual, it's all about individualism. So if you have a one program fits all size, maybe you get lucky, right. but it's just luck. But like, if you dial it in for the individual, meaning like, I need to know, um, uh, how elastic you are, how, you know, like when it comes to how strong versus, you know, how efficient, efficiency, yeah. how efficient are you? Uh, are there mobility restrictions if there are at what specific joint, you know, like um, how are you at controlling the centric contraction? There's so many variables now that we're starting to get to uh, a big one being, you know, elasticity. So like you look mm -hmm. at like a reactive strength index, when you, you see someone do a depth jump, it's going to tell you a combination of things. If their ground contact time is low, they're elastic. That means okay. you know they're, um, which elasticity is tied to your know, tendon quality. You're looking at the connective tissue that surrounds the collagen layers that surrounds the muscle. You're looking at uh, the tighten 
protein filament deep within the muscle. Mm -hmm. Those are all specifically tied to elasticity, which is someone's ability to reduce, you know, force real quickly. You know, it's like, and it's a very passive thing, meaning it's not something I'm deciding. Your body just does it. And so um, the that ground contact time tells me that. And then the height of the jump tells me, is the person strong enough? So if they have a really awesome RSI score, that person is probably going to be your best weightlifter, which on my team, you know, Ryan has got the best mm-hmm. RSI score. Uh, but it also tells you what to pinpoint. And like we, we um, are now back to measuring the RSI score every day. So I'm looking how it's trending. Is this ground contact time, you know, is it getting slower? Well, that means there's fatigue because mm-hmm. it's a direct correlation to the neural system. And so, um, you know, is he not getting as high? Well, that's different. That's a very muscular peripheral thing. And so sure. it just gives you so many variables to work on. And then you can like, then you can start to say, well, then what can improve elasticity? Well, we know that overloading the eccentric contraction, you know, like by doing, um, what is it, the weight, weight releasers right. or by um, the, the flywheel is nothing short of a miracle in my opinion. And so yeah. it's just, it's almost it's as close to drugs as we're going to get in a drug-free country. And so, right. so, so is this, anyway. are these the kinds of things that were the difference in the way that other countries performed versus what we were doing before? And like, these are the kind of things that they were doing and talking about and now we're doing them, or is this mm-hmm. even different than what they're doing? No, I think it's different what they're doing. I think okay. um, what they were doing was drugs, and so they were beating us because <laughs> right. they were taking drugs. And all, right. I'm, I would, I would gladly say this to the Chinese or to anyone. You know, Lou just got popped. And, you know, they're number yeah. one weightlifter. So, like, no, the difference was back then they were taking drugs and we weren't because if we had been taking drugs, even back then we would have been winning. You know, but like, yeah. but so we had to say, look, you know, here's a good lesson for everyone. I can't control what those other countries do. So here are the variables I can control. So what am I going to do to counter that? And so Mm -hmm. you go and you look for the best talent you can possibly find, which is something we can still get better at in America is like recruiting, is finding that specific talent. Because then people say, well, well, then if they're that good, they would go to the NFL. Well, how many five foot seven people are in the NFL? You know what I mean? So like, but there's still five foot seven people who are fast, can jump and can move. So we need to identify that talent, and then we need to individualize their programming. You know, after look, after for the first couple of years, everyone can be on the same program, and it yeah. should really just be get them strong and like yep. um, focus on technique. Yeah. But then it needs to be individual because we're all so different. You yeah. Know? There has to be like a standard to reach before it becomes the right. specific part of it to get those like, little tiny percentage points, right? Right. Yeah. It's funny because the, the things that you're saying that you're looking at now, like that all these things, like the RSI score, like you said, are all measurable things right. that you can look at all the time that are yes. indicative of the thing that they're not even like, it's indicative of a movement that isn't even what they're testing. You know, right. so it's, it reminds me when I did, uh, I ran track and, and field in college, small school in Montana. And uh, our coach always had this, and maybe you can tell me if it's, if he's accurate, if he was just making up something that ended up being kind of right, but I'll do he, my best. Yeah. He always said, uh, "Look at the look the person who can do the most strict bodyweight pull-ups is more times than not going to be the fastest person on the team." Probably right. Just from a relative strength aspect, like right. being able to move your own body weight well. And I mean, there was maybe some exceptions with guys who were just stupid strong that weren't as fast, but there were almost without fail, like from even the distance kids to the sprinters, like the guys that were the fastest were the ones that could just bang out strict pull-ups like nobody's business. I think he's right. I always thought that correlation made sense, but I couldn't have told you like why it made sense, you know? Martin Rooney told me that a long time ago. He said, normally you can, you know, and he's, I think he's right. You know, like, I don't know that there's any studies, but like, yeah, it does come down to, you know, relative strength. Then it comes down to, and then when it comes to who is the absolute fastest in the room, right. would come down to elasticity. Like, right. you know, when their foot strikes the ground, what happens? You know, yeah. is that energy transferred down the track or is it lost, you know, you know, with, into the track? Like, mm-hmm. is there give? Is there mm-hmm. breaking? So those would be the fact. But, yeah, I've never seen a kid who could bang out pull-ups who wasn't at least one of the fastest right. on the team. Right. He might not be the fastest, but he's going to be definitely one of your top guys. Yeah, and so it, all, so it always made sense to me. So I'm just like, yeah, that I, I get it. You know, being able yeah. to move your own body weight makes sense. Sure. 
Um, yeah. I doubt there's a sprinter in the world, the top sprint, that cannot do several pull-ups. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Just look at that. Johan Blake, <laughs> sure. I, I got to know him personally and, like, guaranteed he's going to out-pull up everyone. Oh, yeah, so, those guys are just, they're freaks. some of the best. They're just freaks. Especially I love them. Jamaican I love them. guys are awesome. <laughs> right. Agreed. Um, I wanted to go back in time a little bit here with you because before the weightlifting portion of things, you were a very successful on the world level power lifter. Right. And so I'm curious, like having that spent so much time of your life there in that sport, why deviate and become the weightlifting guy instead of (laughs) down the powerlifting road and do the powerlifting thing as at the level to which you're doing it now? That's a great question because, um, what people say, here's how it all started. Like at Appalachian State University, we had an amazing strength coach, Mike Kent. And like we did, you know, we did um, all the Olympic lifts and we did, you know, squatting, benching, pulling. And so it was him that said I should probably, you know, I wasn't going to the NFL <laughs> by any means. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even that good of a football player, which is hard for me to admit because I'm, I love to win, but yeah. I just wasn't, you know, maybe I could have been, but I wasn't. And so like he told me, after graduating, I should go to, you know, uh, pursue Olympic weightlifting. And so I went to Colorado Springs right after. And so really weightlifting was first-ish. Okay. I did do one powerlifting um, stint right before I left. I, and so I went to the Junior Nationals, and I won, and I went to the uh, IWF, I'm sorry, the IPF World, Junior mm-hmm. Worlds, mm-hmm. and got a silver. And so, uh, so I did, I was good right away yeah. in powerlifting. However... I was intrigued by weightlifting, and I still am. It's like mm-hmm. I feel like uh, maybe because it was easy for me to master powerlifting, okay. and weightlifting was not as easy. And like you know, even though I was pretty good, I didn't seem to matter, and nor did I have the time because then I had to come home. My father, he, uh, he was diagnosed with a terminal form of cancer, and so I moved home, and then I got back into powerlifting and become you know pretty good. And so like mm-hmm. yeah, my love has always been you know, weightlifting between the two. And I, I mean, for anyone I'm coaching in powerlifting, no offense. I still love powerlifting. <laughs> right. Like, I, I mean, I still love it. It's just that um, in weightlifting, there's so many details yeah. that I can affect. And it's so much more complicated. Like powerlifting, yeah. I mean, there's no powerlifter in the world. I can't give them a program and they'll get better. Right. You know, especially for a certain amount of time. Sure. Until they're like, you know, one of the, until they've reached their genetic limits, it's fairly linear. But, like, um, weightlifting, not like that at all. There's so many more boundaries to overcome. And so mm-hmm. I think, in the, I mean, just intrigued. And plus, in the back room, like, you know, during a weightlifting meet, a coach is very important. We can win or lose a meet, you know. Like, um, several times, you know, competing against my friends in America, it come down to they made a bad mistake, and I mm-hmm. ca- capitalized, or vice versa. I made a mistake, and they capitalized. And so... That's just much more fun. Like, what's a balancing coach going to do in the back room? Not much. <laughs> right. You know, like... Just slap you in the face, basically, and try good to luck. get you ejected. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, I just love that aspect. And then the Olympics, of course. You know, yeah. like, you know, there's the power of the Olympics. And um, as much as I love it, the world championships are awesome and all that. But mm-hmm. the Olympics is special, and, you know, it's that's still, what I'm after. It's still kind of a... Even on the on the quote-unquote like world level powerlifting is still kind of like an underground it is yeah it it doesn't have the you know the maybe not the flash but the at least the people know what they're looking at when they see it because it's on the olympics you know right and they're like this is what i think weightlifting is and then you tell them it's a different sport over here but this is a different thing like it can get confusing so it can get confusing i understand that olympic lifting is just it's in olympics it's just (laughs) comes down to that really and if they lose the olympics they're not, they would lose me too. So then I would do something else. So where do you think that, and this actually just made me think of another thing to tie into the Olympics. Like, where do you think, or what do you think caused the shift where it became more of a thing where now we want to get good at weightlifting? Because I don't know, what it was there like an event or something that happened where people are like, let's try and get good at this. Like it's always just kind of been on the back burner before for us and they were always these other these other events or these other sports in the olympics that we were always amazing at and it was never like weightlifting so was it just not the effort put in or did something happen where now it's like oh like you said we're getting better people 
just to come into the sport. So, hey, like we're actually getting kind of good. Let's just continue with this. I think there's two things. There was a, um, there was CrossFit. You have to give them credit because they they introduced the sport to more people, and more yeah. people is always a good thing because yeah. you know you're getting tapped into better genetic pool. And so, like, but then there was a mindset a mindset shift, mm-hmm. like a few of us who you know refused to just participate. You know, like. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that there's a good chance, you know, things could happen and we don't even make the Olympics. Sure. But, like, I will promise you this. I'm not just trying to make it. I'm trying to win. And so as we prepare, I'm not looking at the minimums required to make the team. I'm seeing what will we need to do to win or medal. And so, like, it was just a mindset shift in, like, uh, Spencer Arnold, myself. It's not just several you know, Will Fleming, uh, Catalyst Athletics. You know, um, yep. there's uh, oh, Vera Beach. They had a they had a girl who won the the youth world championships, and so it's just um, just a several people who are like done trying to just compete mm-hmm. and done accepting it. It's just a matter of I'm done accepting it. I'm not going to blame drugs. Nothing I can do about that. Yep. So what can I do to counter that? CrossFit was going to kind of be what I would assume as yeah. well when you said that just be, and and we're at the point now 20 something years later with the games as big as they are like there there's a whole i mean there are kids that are in the games like uh what's her name the one that just like she just medaled i think this last year and she was like 19 or something like that oh on the you're women's side. yeah well there's two there's two young ones there's Haley yeah. adams Haley. and then there's yep. um she because i worked with her for a while and then yeah. there's um Gosh, her best friend. I was just looking. Uh, yeah, I can't remember her name, but the th- girl. But yeah, she was. But they have lived their entire life with CrossFit being a thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, which is kind of crazy. And so, like, right. they, they've never not like. So there's a whole generation coming up where that is an actual viable option of a sport to pursue. Whereas sure. before, it was just like it was just going to the gym to work out. It wasn't really like a thing. But now there's like it's professional sport you can make that decision to go that route. And so you're going to, I think, see even more like the good athletes who maybe otherwise would do like soccer or go to play college football or some of these other things right. that migrate over into the strength sports, which would be wicked. That'd be so cool. It would be cool. And these athletes can now, they can make money. And like now that we have the, uh, you know, gosh, social media is such a love-hate thing. It's like, you know, because <laughs> we have social media, athletes can make a living, um, you know, sometimes can make a lot of money yeah. and so there now there's there has to be a reason someone's going to do it because weightlifting is so hard you know ross it, it's it is it's so rough on the body you're gonna snatch yeah. clean jerk squat almost every day sometimes every single day you know sometimes twice a day and mm-hmm. it you know you're gonna go through periods of hitting the wall and you got to find a way around it and like you know, why would I do that unless there's some type of payoff? You know, yeah, you could say I love the sport, but, like, you know, what causes you to love a sport? Like, you know, why did I love football? It was, like, because there was a payoff at the end. It was the yep. glory. It was this end thing. It was it was just, like, you know, what would it be like to win, you know, a Super Bowl? Or, and so there has to be a reason for someone to do something. I would love to see one more step taken, both for weightlifting and for CrossFit, and that would mm-hmm. be to – and we're kind of doing it, but to really, really go after the collegiate aspect mm-hmm. into like, uh, you know, we're getting like, I mean, I'm a coach at Little Ryan University, yep. but to to make these programs even better, to be able to give away full scholarships at each of these programs, you know, and like to get them at all the schools. So yeah. if we could, I mean, and like, it's a big if, but like, you know, I feel like CrossFit would be even easier. I right. feel like they should really go after this, but if you could give these kids like, you know, scholarships to go after, you would then take from football, basketball, all these other sports. And there would be a reason for a parent to say, all right, I'll invest in a coach, you know, for this kid. But that's the next step. You know, it's popular. People know it. Next step is to, and like, and we have a person, we have like one person at USA Weightlifting who's in charge of that. And like, she's doing as good as she can. What can one human do? But there needs to be a department. Yeah. And, like, if we can find a way to afford that, then you would make a huge change. And then I think America could you – know, I think we would do- – not only would we win, we would dominate, I think. Yeah, just from the pool to pull from, like you had said. Totally. It would be unbelievable. 
Yeah, I mean, we dominate the Olympics. If you look at total medals, normally we win. And so, like, or we're in the top two or three. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, weightlifting should be no different. Like, we're filled with short, strong people, you know? Like, (laughs) man, yeah. So, like, find them. Find (laughs) them. Exactly. So, like, who didn't make the NBA? Who didn't make the NFL? Like, who had no chance? Who was five foot three? Like, Muggsy Bugs would have been a great weightlifter. (laughs) Of course, he was an anomaly and did good in NBA, too. But Yeah. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Yeah, that's funny. That actually is a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good segue to talking about development um, in youth and stuff because that's one of the things that I've always loved about what you do in coaches, seeing the ages that you start the kids right. at. And I know, cause I've seen it in comments and stuff about just the normal, Oh, you shouldn't be doing this with them when they're this young or whatever. Yeah. And it's just hilarious. And, uh, but I'll tell you this too. I remember when your oldest son yeah. was, I remember when he was born, that's how long I've been following. Yeah. <laughs> Baby mash. Right. Yep. Yep. And then when you started taking him to do gymnastics yeah. when he was like a year Born. old or eight, yeah, you know, barely walking, doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we literally started doing that with my oldest, who's three and a half now. Yeah. Uh, but we, when he was just under 18 months, we started taking him to gymnastics literally because Smart. I remember you starting yours that early. And it was great. Like he developed so quickly with just spatial awareness and yeah. body awareness and coordination and, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then we look at him compared to how, even just how he runs compared yeah. to like other kids in his, in his daycare. And just like, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so it's cool to see like the youth, like the, the development of the youth be such a priority. So how does, how do you, first of all, how do you have those conversations with parents who aren't in the know of it? Like we are right. Right. This is my favorite topic. So now we're talking about, like, I think after the Olympics of next next year, like, this will be my main focus in life is, like, Mm -hmm. um, getting the truth out about youth development. And not not just talking about athletically, but even mentally, you know, structurally, like, Mm -hmm. socially, but, like, because it's intriguing, you know? And, like, and honestly, right now, a lot of it is guesswork. Because I I was just talking to my friend, Coach Ken, who was the um, NFL, he was the Panther strength coach for nine years. So he's, like incredibly versed and he and I would have talks years ago about like specifically CJ Cummings and even Harrison Morris who were mm-hmm. both at the time anomalies you know they were they were lifting weights more than the older guys and he thought that it was too much too soon and mm-hmm. like um and I, my answer to him was like I mean who knows because there was nothing there was no precedent no yeah. research and so looking back he was probably right because um you know neither one of them quite lived up to their potential at mm-hmm. the Olympics. And now both of them are seemingly done. And so like, uh, maybe he was right. Yeah. And I look back even in my own stable of athletes, the one who seems to be doing the best came along a little bit slower because he started in CrossFit okay. and it came, you know, Ryan came to me to get stronger for CrossFit. So he had more of a well-rounded approach and like, 
you know, it wasn't until he quit CrossFit that he, you know, went on this tear. And I feel like that might have helped him. Uh, and because we didn't go too heavy too soon. But back to your question as far as, like, the parents, how do you have the talks? You just got to say, here's the facts, man. Or even you can go one of two routes, you know, depending on the parent. You can either go, here's what the literature says, and some, you know, smarter parents will get it. Or you can give them the common sense and be like, you know, if you know anything about force, you look at a football, you know, you get your kids playing, you know, they're seven years old playing tackle football, and they're running as fast as they can into each other. So they're hitting someone equal to or greater than them in body weight, and that both of them are running. So now you know momentum, you know mm-hmm. collision. The impact of that is like a thousand times that of a, of a barbell. Yeah. Like, it drives me insane. Like, they'll be like, yep. oh, you can't be lifting weights. I'm like, that is two and a half kilograms. Right. That is five pounds, man. <laughs> right. And like, and but if my son were, you know, was playing football, nobody would say a word, you know. But like, a barbell yeah. in their hand, it makes no sense, Ross. Yeah. It, boy, I just wish the world all would listen to me on this one. Think before you talk. Yeah. Or before you type. Or even like the gymnastics example. Like, I mean, yeah. how much of it is like jumping from five feet in the air and landing. And Amen. Like the, the force that you get when you land into the ground. Right. Like, that's the, A the thousand same. times more. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but they can handle that too. So here's the truth on that is like compression, meaning straight up and down, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it ends up actually not only is it not dangerous for the growth plates or you know, really it's the epiphyseal line. Like not only is it not bad for it it's pretty good for it it right. turns out turns out that you know it makes the whole process a little bit better yeah. and the forces that you're really looking into that might be dangerous would be more like towards it or from the side you know like right. think about when someone sticks their foot in the ground and turns to sprint and the foot doesn't move and right. so now you got problems with the growth plates and not to mention all kinds of injuries so like but when you got just straight up and down compression that's a good thing you know, like jumping, running. Your kid climbs a fence and jumps down. That's okay. That's yeah. helping them. It's helping them develop. And so that's why when you're a kid, like uh, if a parent were to see a video of my kid climbing a fence and jumping off, nobody would say a thing because it's normal. Right. It's like they're used to it. But when they see a five or two and a half or a five kilogram bar in their hand, the alarms go off. You know, like, man, <laughs> right. chill, think, <laughs> think. Think before yeah. you type or think before you speak, you know, like you look yep. dumb. Yeah. So. so where do you, I mean, yours started literally as toddlers. Right. And so like what, how do you start with one that young? I mean, like I said, my oldest is three and a half. Right. So, and he, and he sees us, you know, we've got kettlebells all over the house around here. Like that's most of the stuff that's around here. I have a barbell that's out in the shed, but the stuff that we train with here is just cause it's easy. It's mostly kettlebells of all different up to, you know, 48 kilo bells. But so he, he sees, and he'll pick up a kettlebell and hold it like this and do a goblet squat. Or he even sees me do swings and he'll like grab, you know, just toys and be like, dad, look, I can do a swing. And he'll do a pretty good looking swing with like a toy. And so he grew up watching you do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so Man. where, like when you're, when you're looking at how do you begin, like, where is the line where you say, now we add an implement or a weight. And then where is the, we just need to look on, work on jumping, landing, running, this kind of stuff. Uh, well, I would just let technique guide you, you know, um, yeah, here's some tips. What I would do first off, we filled our basement with opportunities. So like, you know, there's monkey bars in our basement. There is a pegboard, there's a climbing rope, you know, um, then there's some barbells, there's big gymnastic mats so they can tumble, you know, so it's a, they think it's play, but to me, it's opportunities to understand your body. I'm looking for kinesthetic awareness. Where am I in space? And so then when it comes to like loading them with a barbell, just let technique guide you and avoid coming anywhere near failure. It's like, you know, like, um, we don't add weight to the bar until the technique is like, you know, perfect. Yeah. Or when I say perfect, like, um, it's optimal. You know what I mean? Like, they're probably not going to look like an Olympian when they're three. Right. You know, but like, as long as the technique is like what I consider optimal, you know, then we might load a little bit. It's a slow process. And, and that's it. And like, you know, yeah, we have the same thing, kettlebells. And we have kettlebells, dumbbells. Um, we have trap bars. And I will let them pick up anything as long as it's good technique as long yep. as and if you know and if i see where they might break down i'm stopping it 
yeah. prior. And so, you know, I think uh, I think there's a few kids out there. And it's a bold statement because this is my some of them being coached by my friends. But like, you know, when you have a seven year old that's like maxing out a lot, it's like that is scientifically conclusively dangerous. It's like, right. you know, that is, I mean, that's like, you know, having them play football year round. You know, like at that young age is not yep. wise. And so, yeah, you know, err on the side of caution. You know, here's another thing too: is make it fun. Like I have yet to teach one of my kids weightlifting until they ask me to to learn. Yep. I've not forced. I've not said let's go downstairs. Like you know, they beg me, and then I go down. And now my three year old is. She was the youngest. My girl was the youngest to ask me, and now <laughs> she asks me more often than the boys. And she might be very well. If I had to guess, she's going to be the one. Like That's her awesome. movement is just perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. And she's so, like, she's so um, aggressive. And, like, her personality is that. Is she wants to win. Mm-hmm. And so she might be the one. We'll see, though. The making it, the making it fun part is, is what honestly makes, like, the most sense just for totally. being able to keep their attention, right? Like, right. Uh, one, of my, one of my friends who's down in, in your-ish area, I think he's in, he's in Georgia, but uh, Ray Zingler is a coach, uh, works a lot with youth primarily that's what he does but he has a son who's my my son's age right and he'll do these things where he sets up like just a weight bench and then he'll set up all the dumbbells like 10 feet away you know from two and a half to 10 pound dumbbells or whatever and he'll just have his boy go pick one up and bring it over and set it on top of the bench like so he's got to pick it up and load it and carry it like this and then just go set it on top of the bench like he's doing like a strong man you know picking up stones and stuff and he does that and he makes him like race has him like race and so he tries to time him and the kid loves it and so like he always tries to beat his time and like try and grab one dumbbell heavier heavier than he did before and so it like to a degree like the the obvious science and knowing what's too much is helpful but it can be a lot simpler than I think it a lot is. of people are making it to. Oh, you know yeah. I, mean? like, I don't. I would not recommend that you're tracking volume. I would, yeah. I would say, you know, you're just, like, having fun, and you're providing opportunities, <laughs> and you're never, like, I would keep the sessions short, like, 30 yeah. minutes at most. And, and as far as, like, the barbells, like, 10 minutes, honestly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. just come down here, give me 10 minutes of this, and then mm-hmm. we'll play. And then, or I'll do, like, obstacle course, where they'll do, like, 10 push-ups, They'll climb, they'll do a pull-up, they'll do their monkey bars, and then they'll do a front roll. And, like, yeah. you know, do that three times, you can do it the quickest. Um, that's cool. We're timing their sprints. So, like, that's important, too. There's certain ages. There's a good book. Oh, yeah, hold on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, this is a fairly good book. It's, like, um, the children's children in sports training. It's by mm. you know, Joseph uh, Drabic. PhD and so like I would recommend there's certain windows even Dr. Stone and uh was it um from LSU Streetport I always forget his name but anyway they um is his darn name I'll remember in a second but they have got good they wrote a pretty good paper I think it was last year talking about windows of time Mm -hmm. but uh as far as sprint and maximal speed there's certain windows and you know, the first one is when they're young, so don't miss it. So have them, doesn't mean you really need to go out there and worry about their technique. Just have them run as fast as they can. All you need to do is time it and try to get them to beat it, to beat it, to beat mm-hmm. it. And guess what? They will get better and better. And, you know, their, you know, their recovery leg will, will become much more efficient mm-hmm. each and every time. So That's keep cool. it fun. And, like, make it a game. If Whatever you want them to do, turn it into a game. Mm-hmm. And they won't even know it. They won't even know that you're you're training them. Like my kids have no idea. They think right. it's just a game to them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm exactly. like, you're training, but you don't know it yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's funny because mine will. I and we and again, it's because we started this, you know, two years ago when he was one year old. Uh, he because he loves running so much. Like every time we go anywhere, he wants to race everywhere. And so it's like he wants to just literally top out as fast as he can go and see if he can beat me or whatever. And he awesome. does it everywhere. Like we walk into a, a store, it's he's racing to the shopping carts. And like, or if we go, you know what I mean, anywhere around the house. So what's cool is it it also, it it builds into itself. 
Like right. they want to then partake more because they see that it's fun and then they want right. to keep doing it and then they enjoy it and, you know, it just keeps building on itself. That's the key, man, Ross. It's like so important. Like to all the strength coaches and weightlifting coaches and powerlifting coaches, we have such an important part of our job that we, a lot of times we miss, meaning whatever, whatever the um, moment in time was like for your athletes mm-hmm. is what they're going to do in the future. So if they have fun with you, they're going to keep working out for the rest of their lives because they are going to look at that. They're going to relate training as fun. Mm-hmm. If you are a tyrant to them and like, you know, you're trying to pretend that you're, that you are uh, some Polish coach or some Bulgarian coach when you're not, we're Americans, but like, right. you know, you're going to make that person never lift again. You know, look yeah. at any of the ex Bulgarian weightlifters. They all look terrible. You know, they all look like they, and most of them are dead, you know, because it was such a, it was like a training camp it was like it was a freaking like they were slaves almost so like make sure that the time and i am talking to myself before anyone thinks i'm pointing fingers like this is something this is a not only a realization but this is the literature like and i didn't even realize it until about a year ago how important it is that you make sure that that time is is pleasurable and like even to the point i've always considered myself like a like a positive reinforcement type of coach. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I didn't realize how important your facial expressions are. Mm -hmm. Like I wear my, as you can tell, I'm talking with my hands and Mm -hmm. like I wear my true thoughts on my face. And like, so I think back of all the times where some kid has probably been crushed because I had a look of disappointment in my face. Mm. And and a lot of times it's not disappointment. It's me thinking about what I could do to help them. And like, but then they might perceive it as I'm disappointed. And so be very careful and be, you know, and like, if your, if your mentor or your idol is like that, you know, that coach from Bulgaria, then maybe reconsider because like he was a jerk and he had his, he had his athletes on drugs and there was zero science to, to their, what was going on. They just gave them drugs and said, work out all the time in the survival of the fittest, you know, like, it was a bad idea. So don't be that. We're not that. We are Americans. So. And even in the and even as an American example, not even weightlifting related, I think uh, what was his name? The he he was quarterback for the Raiders in the eighties. Marinovich. Oh yeah. And the yeah. stories about his dad, how he how his dad raised him like yeah. literally not a gram of sugar or anything in his entire childhood and he was training like twice a day and then he ended growing up and like was good, but then he just yeah. completely went off the deep end at the end of it same and, as his dad would have you know, same as his, yeah exactly exactly so there is the the balance there's a very big balance man like i don't even like my my sons play basketball and i don't coach them you know yeah i will help them at home and i will give them suggestions for practice mm-hmm. and like i will help them as much as they want me to but like i tried coaching them last year and it was not <laughs> a good thing and like uh, uh my youngest son likes it and he, yeah. but my oldest son absolutely hate the one that you remember which is rock (laughs) he hates it when i'm trying to coach and like he'll shut down like (laughs) he's like i want you to be dad and i'm like yep and i heard him and like so i i uh resigned as head coach like after like two or three practices i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) i got it good for the both of us (laughs) no and like i only know one way of coaching i'm like i'm i demand excellence and like uh (laughs) and there's seven they don't care they're just trying to have a good time and so like I'm not uh, meant to coach seven-year-olds, and so so that Rob. age group that, that that age group is is an interesting one too, like because that's more getting into school age stuff. Where yeah. in school, you know, PE isn't really. And I guess I can not speak for everywhere, but it's not really like physical education yeah. as we would think of it as coaches. You know what right. I mean? Um, not to say it's still not effective to some degree, but that I think can be something that has improved massively in that regard for the stuff that we're talking about, just as development of right. like their, their physical nature. A lot of schools don't even have it anymore. It's yeah. terrible. It's a terrible, yep. terrible idea because like all the science would, pour, would point to activity yep. being directly correlated to improvement in cognitive skills. And like, yep. meaning you're going to, not only you're going to, you're going to retain uh, and more information you're going to have more creative thoughts there's like mm-hmm. it's a bad it's a terrible idea to cut that back and if you read um spark the book by uh, john rady yep. spark 
read that and like or go look at the literature you know like and, and there's so many theories as to why you know um, the hippocampus i know this is it lights up when a person works out which is the part of the brain where we learn and so you know and then there's other theories of like um when we train like lactate is is, is created you know when we train hard when kids go out and they, and they and they play tag there's going to be lactate being produced you know yeah. in, in that whole glycolysis process and the brain uses that more efficiently than glucose for energy and so there's several theories but the bottom line is let the kids play b needs to come back it was a bad idea i remember the i can't remember the name of the school but the video circulates every few weeks it seems but it was back from the 60s but the the it was a school back in california i think it was like an all-boys school and it showed their like what their PE was yeah. back in like the sixties. And it shows them like going on monkey bars across Sweet. Uh, the thing. And they're doing all just banging out pull-ups or they're doing like the walk on their hands on the parallel dip bars. And, and all of them, I mean, they're like 15 to 18, obviously. And they're all just like shredded dudes. Brilliant. And it was just like, this just, it makes too much sense to have this not be a priority. You know, Absolutely. It, it just is, it's mind blowing to me. We have, uh, my wife works in elementary school. Right. And they actually did this really cool thing uh, they instilled a couple years ago. They they built a 200-meter just cinder track in the playground. <laughs> right. And they would, they would hand out, like, reward tickets for kids who wanted to go out and do laps. Like, <laughs> and they would literally, like, give them uh, rewards throughout the year, whoever did the most laps in a month. They could do it any time throughout the day if they wanted to, like, go out for recess and just go do, like, two laps, and they would turn in, like, their little sticks. But that improved not only, like, a lot of their individual classroom performance but you just think yeah they're getting way healthier because they're outside moving and they're outside yeah. and they're getting all of that stuff that they were behavior will improve exactly like, it's all these adhd things will get better like you know absolutely it's a pretty fun rabbit hole to go down i think like we could probably do a bro Yes, it's like I mean, I, I eight to ten hours on this. I plan on spending my whole life after the exactly. Olympics. My, I, I expect to spend the rest of my life on this very topic because it's so important to me. So what? So take me there. Like, what's the plan that you kind of have for this? Where are you looking at going into to to put your focus into human performance? Like, but like more in the youth development. You know, mm -hmm. when it comes to performance, like, you know, how how does it all fit together? Like, what's the best way to make sure your kid is physically fit, that is learning, mm -hmm. you know, behavior, like, you know, um, psychological well-being? Like, I want to, you know, I want to see, I want to see what can we do to get better at being well-rounded, you know? So I feel like in, in America, especially, like, you know, we'll, we will target one big thing. We'll be like, oh, we want our kids smarter. So no, we don't have time for PE. So we're going to shut that down. And we don't ever look at things holistically. It's like, and we have to, because the brain, the body, man, anyone, you can tell when someone does something like that, when they just go all in on this one thing, you know, they're not scientists because like, once you understand the body and you understand science and you understand the intricate details it takes for the human body to do what it does every single day then uh, number one i think you're going to know i personally i think you you're going to come to the realization there has to be a creator that's better than all of us mm -hmm. and, and two you're going to realize there there are no there are no absolutes except that is that there are none and so yes yeah but. the uh so in this regard with the with the development of stuff how do you because because i see with like the AAU yeah. sort of model of right. things now where it's, and, and it was really kind of starting. So I'm, I'm 30. Right. right. So it was really kind of starting to pick up when I was in it like was. high school age, sure. you know? And so, cause I remember a couple of my friends who were like, they were some of the best athletes in our class when they were juniors or so sophomores, like decided I'm going to just do this now. Hey, like, this, yeah. uh, this is my path. Right. And so I'm right. not going to do anything else. I'm going to just play basketball, but you see it in baseball of kids yeah. getting like, like shooting to go get Tommy John early. Right. So they can just get over it and be done and then continue <laughs> to play and not have the issue. Right. Right. So how did it, because in a, in a sport like weightlifting where the actual sport is also training, Right. Right. Like, how do you make that distinction between we're training for training versus the sport? Because we don't want to specialize in the sport too early, just like we wouldn't want to specialize in baseball and not do anything else to like further the whole development, like the well-roundedness part. 
But man, you know, like, okay, so now you brought me to my topic. Like, so I'm at the end of this year, I'll start my PhD, and and my my whole focus is going to be creating my dissertation on the flywheel and how to produce protocols with linear velocity. And here's why. I know it sounds complicated, but it's it's not. I'll bring it home. And so like the women's soccer is like my it's not just for women's soccer but that's what comes to mind it's like Mm -hmm. you look at the acl injuries and you look at how it's trending it's it's on a linear path of getting worse each and every year and like you know used to i would have taken the path of trying to fight the year round it's just but it's not gonna happen it's like it's gone it's there and like uh if anybody wants if anybody wants to ask me i'll tell them but i'm not going to be i'm not i can't i'm not gonna choose that hill to die on because nobody's going to listen so right. but what can i do you know with a flywheel being portable i you know you could get flywheels out to these teams and these girls could do 20 minutes two three times a week and really chop down that whole acl injury you know so can you explain there. the flywheel for those who might not oh, yeah. know what it is absolutely you know yeah. the the flywheel is like um anyone who's ever looked at it is it's, it goes by uh Inertia. It's a, it's it's a wheel, and it's, it's going to be turning, and you're you're looking at angular acceleration. And the faster that you stand up, let's say on a squat, for example, mm-hmm. the faster I stand up, well, that energy now becomes the kinetic energy pulling you down. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, it's great for overloading the centric contraction. Remember, we talked about that earlier in the, in this in this uh, show, and we talked about that that will help. You know thicken tendons and ligaments and like mm-hmm. do all the cool like con- connected tissue the collagen surrounding the muscular layer so like um that's portable and but and today it's it, for us what really sparked is like we have one which is right behind me and mm-hmm. we used it for a few weeks on a couple of our athletes and both of these there was two guys in particular both being like you know they're both about the same height. They're both somewhere between five six, five foot eight. Both, you know, you know, both are good athletes. Don't get me wrong, but both have been training with me since babies. Basically, yeah. it's Ryan and then Matt Weiniger, my two athletes who've been with me the longest. Anyway, within four to six weeks, both athletes go from 35, 34 inch vertical leaps to forty one. Both of them, wow. and in my lifetime. In my entire life of being a coach, which I've been a coach since 1997, I've yet to see something like that dramatic. Yeah. So that's what draw, you know, drew me to the to the flywheel. But the problem is, well, the reason why the flywheel was created was for NASA. It was for um, to be able to for the astronauts to be able to work out while they're in space because it's not it doesn't rely on gravity. It relies on right. inertia, and so. I started, you know, messing around with it then, and I found there were no protocols, though. They would just be like, people would say, you know, go do three or four sets of eight reps as hard as you can. What does that even mean? And, like, you know, right. so to me, who like, who is obsessed with measuring, it drove me insane. And so, like, um, Kabuki, they're the ones who, like, gave me the job to go out and they asked me would I write a protocol for them, and I'm like, sure. And I assumed it would be easy. I, I assumed I would be able to go to Google and, and find all kinds of information. And I go to Google and I found a little bit here and a little bit there, but nowhere it was it saying to use uh, this inertial setting and to use this many reps and mm-hmm. to, you know, how to induce this eccentric overload and, um, and at what, you know, at what inertial setting would certain adaptations take place? Like yeah. the stretch shortening cycle, you know, the eccentric overload. And then of course, power strength all these things Mm -hmm. so i did that it it took me months and like i literally started ghosting him because i felt embarrassed because i couldn't get it done (laughs) but then when it's over he loves me now because it's like the first of its kind right and but in doing so made me gave me the idea that that's what i'll focus on in my phd because it can create a lot of if you're a parent man if you're a parent of one of these kids like soccer volleyball baseball any of these things get a flywheel it might be a little bit expensive but i promise you it'll be worth it yeah it's way cheaper than you know acl repair or you know yeah patel tendon rupture or tommy john surgery yes yes (laughs) so we use it twice a week every single week and we have a distinct protocol we have a protocol for in season um pre-season off season and then postseason so that's awesome yeah man we are 
already an hour, man. That flew. I, yeah. <laughs> like we, we could do this all day. <laughs> I could, man. Like, ever since going back to school and, like, you know, um, being able to perform my own yeah. research, it's, my whole goal was to, like, so, I've, you know, I've been the athlete and I've, you know, yep. won three world championships, broke several world records. I've coached, at the time when I started here, I'd coached, like, 25 Team USA athletes, now 31. And so, like, and so, but, like, the thing missing was, I wanted that scholarly side, you know, because you always have, I feel like on the internet, you've got the athlete, yep. you've got the coach, and then you have the, the you know, the PhD over here. And so they're all three separate. And I'm like, yep. we need these worlds combined. And so, yes. like, I decided to be the guinea pig and to combine them and, like, um, see where rubber meets the road is my is my father-in-law would say. Like, you yep. know, what, of all this research coming out, what really works? And so That's it's awesome. been a lot of fun. So That's my school, awesome. shout out Lenore Ryan University, because um, the two professors here, the two main ones, Dr. Lighting and Dr. Cook, are amazing. And, like, and they both love strength training. It's not like it's, yeah. you know, yeah. we're not like cardiopulmonary all every day. You know, they love getting strong. So it's been That's good. That's awesome. Well, man, thanks for making time. I was This was awesome. I'm glad we got the chance to sit down and chat for a little bit. Why don't Me you too. Um, share everything where everybody can go find your programs, your coaching, everything that, everything that you do, where is all of it? Right. Well, you can, for Lenore Ryan, if you want to go, you know, join, come school here, lr.edu, or you can go to masterly.com for any of my programs and all that. Uh, you can go to uh, Masterly Performance on Instagram. You can go to, if you want to get my course on weightlifting, go to Stronger Experts. So that's, um, I love, Stronger Experts is great for all kinds of courses. Like we have a weightlifting course. We have a um, sprint how to get fast. We have a nutrition course uh, and it's all by the nutrition course is they're all by the best of the best in the industry. So, um, Oh, we have the VVT course. If you want to learn about velocity based training it's nice. Brian man himself. So go there and nice. you, you will learn velocity based training. But, um, so anyway, those are all my places. The main place, awesome. Twitter. I, I really enjoy Twitter. Like, you yeah. know, a lot of people, I don't know how many people still like it, but I like prefer, I prefer Twitter over anything because it's a conversation. Right. And, um, I have, I feel like I have the ability to, to discuss things on Twitter without attacking people. And so yeah. it's a fun thing. That's awesome. That's Master Elite, at Master Elite on Twitter. Awesome. Oh, it's all my things. Awesome. Thanks again, Travis. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you, sir.